Welcome to Dyslexics Wanted, a podcast celebrating the unique strengths and creativity so often the hallmark of people with dyslexia. We invite you to learn more at the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia's website, wicd.org. And there you'll find out the latest information about a film we're producing called Decoders, a cutting-edge documentary that objectively and fearlessly explores fundamental questions about how we learn. To support the making of this film, find out more at WICD.org. Now, this episode is part of a special series saluting young people who have not let dyslexia stop them. In fact, it's likely that learning to deal with dyslexia has allowed them to harness other talents. Some might say superpowers. No capes, no masks, or golden whips here. Just people stepping up to a challenge and meeting it. Today, we focus on one such young person, Francesca Singer. Chessie Singer, as she's known, who recently gave a speech at the Commonwealth School, and here's just a bit of what she said. Skiing has never been difficult for me. Winter weekend mornings meant perfect corduroy ridges covering every inch of the mountain. A sense of freedom, intangible, unfathomable. I can't mess up unless I fall. It's all in my control. Because skiing came so naturally to me, it was hard to comprehend the struggle others endured. In eighth grade, when I broke my foot and could no longer ski race, I suddenly understood. This led to a new passion that changed my mission on the slope, the adaptive program. I began to teach physically and mentally disabled people how to ski. On one particularly cold day in December, nine-year-old Griffin challenged me and changed my life. We reached the top of the slope and he was gone. How to manage wind resistance and the embrace of gravity eluded Griffin. I wanted to impart to him my love of skiing, but he just wanted to ski straight down. It became habitual. We'd finish a run and I'd gently scold him for ignoring my instructions and ask him to try some turns. He'd tell me he'd try harder and begin talking about the inner workings of the Boston transit system. (laughs) Griffin was obsessed with trains. (laughs) While climbing onto the chairlift, learning to read, for me, was similar to Griffin's grapple with learning to ski. Instead of telling Griffin to make turns, I could offer him a new angle. I told him that we were a train. My skis would leave tracks, and he would follow them. He looked at me with solemn eyes. I'd gotten through to him. (laughs) Teaching Griffin allowed me to gain perspective and understand that satisfaction is a byproduct of struggle. My biggest challenge was French 1. I didn't cope. Our seven-person class wasn't what startled me, nor was it my classmates and my varying knowledge of French. No, it was something less concrete and really tough to pinpoint. Something about the language didn't stick. I felt like I was hanging a silk shirt on a wooden peg and it just kept slipping off, no matter how many times I replaced it. I'm not one to give up, so the first semester I enlisted a sort of grin and bear it attitude. A stack of French vocab flashcards sat on my bedside table and I'd enlist my brother and parents to quiz me each night. By mid-year exams, I was meeting regularly with my teacher, Mr. Volrath, as well as a tutor outside of school and I felt like I had a better grasp on the subject. When the exam was over, I sailed into my freshman year project week at a French preschool, confident that I had made headway, and even if French was hard, I'd get better and make it work. I spent the week happily surrounded by knee-high language learners as eager as I was to absorb everything French. Imagine my dismay when a week later I was back in the classroom, staring at a feeble red D scratched at the top of my exam. How did this happen, I asked myself. You might wonder where I'm going with this. Long story short, I bore down and managed to pass the class. All the while, Commonwealth had my back. 
Chessie Singer. She spoke with me first about her background in school and what it was like in the early days. I grew up in Lincoln, but I never actually went to Lincoln Public School um, because my sister, who is five years older than me, went to Lincoln um, Elementary School and then had to switch schools because she kind of needed a more like intense um, curriculum for her dyslexia, so she went to mm-hmm. Carroll, and then she switched and went to Beaver, and then she went back to Lincoln, and it was kind of like a very tumultuous time. So since I was kind of overlapping her switching, um, my parents just sent me to Neshoba Brooks in Concord, um, which I loved and was there from kindergarten to eighth grade. So I felt like I had a really, really supportive environment there. There were a couple other kids who also had some learning I don't like to use the word disabilities, but, you know, like struggles. Learning, learning issues, let's put it that yeah. way. Right, sure. Um, superpowers. Und- exactly, <laughs> exactly. So tell me how it played out for you as you were going through the early days of school, Chessie, in terms of what did you notice that was different about the way you read or were reading? And then we'll talk about how you've progressed so beautifully and uh, moving on. But what was it like in the early days? So when I went to Neshoba for kindergarten, um, I was just six. And I, I didn't like reading at all. I didn't really have, like, any concrete reason why. I just, like, didn't enjoy reading. I liked being read, too, but um, it was just hard for me. And so when we'd have to bring home, like, a book every week or two books, I don't remember the setup, but we had to bring home a book and then, like, read it and then write about what we thought, I always found that, like, very frustrating and just super time-consuming. That, okay, so that was, like, year one, but then I actually ended up repeating kindergarten because... The reason I say now is because I fell asleep too many times, but I was probably just (laughs) a little bit um, not picking up as quickly as I should have been on the reading part. Um, So then I did kindergarten again, and it was like the same setup kind of with the books, and so then I was more familiar with that. And I still didn't say I enjoyed that. I still don't really enjoy reading, but um, became more comfortable, I guess, in the classroom. Um, What would you say, you know, if you could generalize here, and you have to generalize, would be the number one thing that helped you along the way as you went through the several grades that you mentioned? I guess, like, hearing oral learning was important for me early on and kind of always. Just, like, if, mm-hmm. if especially, like, a re, um, books on tape, and like, if I also had the book physically, that was really helpful for me to kind of, like, link the sounds uh-huh. to the way it looked on the page. Excellent. Now, your speech, and we'll play some excerpts from it uh, later, is really impressive because you're talking about what you've gone through in your learning process. Can you share with the audience a bit about what you hope to accomplish with that speech when you graduated? The speech was kind of very loose form in the way it was given to us. Each year, there are just four, there are four seniors chosen to speak, and the, the prompt is kind of like, speak about your Commonwealth experience, but you kind of have to cater it to a bunch of different audiences because the, the senior class is there, um, and there aren't underclassmen there, but they're parents of, like, incoming freshmen, so you kind of have to, like, tie in both, like, the, oh, like, we made it through, and the, like, you're just coming here. So I, I tried to take the approach of kind of less focused on just high school, but, like, kind of how... Parts of, like, who I am overlapped into my high school years. And when you're giving a speech, first of all, I congratulate you because that's a lot of work, effort to write it, but also to present it, and you presented it beautifully. You've got to consider the audience. And as a student at Commonwealth and elsewhere, do you believe you were considered your 
an audience member as a student, sort of, were you taken care of to the extent that it really made a difference? Yeah, I'd say so. Teachers and students together helping in that way? I mean, working in groups as opposed to all by yourself or what? We don't do a lot of group work at Commonwealth. I did do a lot of group work in middle school, but we don't do a lot of group work, but um, we do bounce ideas off each other a lot. Our classes are all super, super small. Like, the average class size is, like, 10, and I definitely had, like, fives but also, like, mm-hmm. 14s or whatever, but mm-hmm. they're all super small. So it's a very, like, controlled environment. Like, no one isn't paying attention. And if you have a question or if you hear someone else ask a question, I find often that, like, someone else's question would make me understand what I wasn't getting a little bit more almost. Now, you're college-bound. Congratulations going to Colby College. Was it challenging for you as it is for most people? I mean, filling out applications, doing all that kind of stuff, thinking about where you want to go. Was it any more challenging for you, or do you think you handled it uh, with as much grace as you could have? I think the college application process is unpleasant for everyone, just in different ways. So I don't think that, like, my dyslexia was a huge burden in the college process, but definitely wasn't a fun process. No, but in terms of colleges accepting students, dyslexia is not barring people like you from going to college. My speech that you heard that was the first half of it was very similar to my college uh, like main application essay. So I did kind of tie it in because I think it's a very important part of like my educational journey. Let me ask you to address those who aren't lucky enough to get to go to a place like Commonwealth to public school kids who are being helped by teachers and advisors and so forth, but they may not have the same opportunities. What general advice, if people have dyslexia, do you have for them? I think it's really different for everyone, but I think that it's important to, for me, the most important thing I found was to always be reading with a pen in hand. Um, If you can see each letter, like, with more of a specific, like, pointer tip, then um, I think it's easier to keep track of the words um, and also highlighting and circling and underlining and putting notes in the margins just made it much more comprehensive Mm. for me. And Chessie, you mentioned it earlier, the idea of having superpowers when you're challenged with dyslexia, you learn to overcome. If you would, talk a little bit about how the gift of dyslexia is not only changed you to this point, but is going to change the future for you. I think that it's kind of ingrained into my perspective, um, like day to day. So I don't think that, I think that again, as I was mentioning about my, like the, the time that it took for me to do schoolwork in high school, um, I think that that will probably carry over for, like, college and, and past. Um, and so I think that that, like, I, it won't be forgotten. But I think that also, like, the way I approach um, group discussion or, like, even just banter, like, outside the classroom, I think that I think often in a different angle or I, like, um, read people's words um, more carefully than mm-hmm. others. So I think that I'll always, that will always, like, manifest itself, the close reading. And what is your career goal? Do you have one yet? Uh, I want to be a lawyer. I don't know what kind of law, though. Not what my mom does. (laughs) That's well said and very honest on your part. Well, listen, Jesse, thank you so much, and we wish you uh, the very, very best going forward, and you've set a good path for others. Thank you so much. Thank you. Before we close out, let's play a little bit more of Jesse's speech. You've been listening to Dyslexics Wanted, produced by the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia and our special series featuring young people with superpowers. I'm Jordan Rich. Enjoy. March 17, 2017. I opened my Colby College portal to see the word congratulations printed across the page. 
My heart audibly beat and my eyes raced across the screen until they were harshly stopped by the words, we are pleased to offer you admission to Colby College as a member of the Global Entry Semester Program in Dijon, France. <laughs> Dijon, France? France is in the place where they speak French? <laughs> I reread it a dozen times. Maybe I read it wrong. I'm dyslexic after all. I closed and reopened the browser. I logged out and logged back in, but it was, <laughs> but it was still there. <laughs> France. I'd say I have a pretty thorough sense of humor, but was this some kind of cruel joke? At this point in the speech, you'd expect me to have some sort of pivotal realization about how I'm older and wiser now. And although I was terrible at French two years ago, my frontal lobe is more developed now, and I'm bound to succeed. And that might well be true. I'm not sure. But after four years of being challenged and supported in ways I didn't know were possible, I found success in the classroom and in the studio. And I now know this. Anything is possible. And I'm going to France. <laughs>